0: Welcome to the Anonymous Podcast. This episode will be a basic text study and commentary. The aim is to provide insight to and context of the material within our basic text, Narcotics Anonymous. This is not a meeting of Narcotics Anonymous. However, there will be some similarities in how the study will be conducted. Each study will have the audio recorded and then published to the Anonymous Podcast. The overall goal is to provide commentary of the basic text towards reaching those seeking a resource like this. If one person benefits from our efforts, including us, then our participation will be well worth the effort. We're going to have introductions, and then we'll jump into the text. Enjoy.
1: Hello, everyone. My name is Brian B. I am an addict. Uh, My clean date is 11-18-2019. I'm a member of the WE area of Narcotics Anonymous. My home group is the Sunday morning literature meeting of N.A. Uh, Come down and see us sometime. We'd love to have you.
2: Hey family, my name is Allison C. I'm an addict. Um, I live in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and I'm in the Bayou Recovery Area. My clean date is April 13, 2010.
3: Thanks. Hey, I'm Edgar. I'm an addict. Uh, My clean date is March 9, 2015. I am from the capital area of N.A. in uh, Raleigh, North Carolina. So hope you enjoy the podcast. Hi,
2: everybody. My name is Eva P from uh, Salem, Morgan. My clean date is 6 10, 2000 My area is the Mid-Willamette Valley area of Narcotics Anonymous. My home group is Live for Today, and uh, it's on Wednesday nights at 730 at Westminster Church. Come and find me. I would love to meet you.
4: Hi everybody, my name is Donna. I'm an addict, I live in Eugene, Oregon. My clean date is Thanksgiving, 1985. My home uh, area is Lane County area of Narcotics Anonymous. We have lots of great meetings out here. Come on out and see us, happy to be here.
5: Phil Addict, my clean date is 4, 1995. Um, I live in uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And um, my home group is uh, Men in Recovery in Pittsburgh at the uh, Anala Recovery uh, Center.
6: Hey, I'm Jessica. Um, I'm from Berea, Kentucky, and we're part of the Kentucky Survivors Area. My clean date is December 1st, 2015. And my home group is NA as such in Nicholasville, Kentucky. We meet Monday nights at 7.
7: Hi. My name's Paul. I'm an addict. Uh, I got clean in New Orleans, Louisiana. I attend meetings in New Orleans and the Pensacola area. Uh, my home group is the open mind group that meets on Monday nights at 7.30. Uh, I'm so glad to be a part of this podcast. And uh, if you're on a relapse, come back to the fellowship, we need you.
0: I'm an addict. My name's Douglas L. My clean date is March 12th, 2000. We got clean in Southwestern Pennsylvania i uh, really excited that you're tuning in. I suggest that you get your basic text, a highlighter, and a pen or pencil. And uh, here we go. I right, Welcome back, everybody. Thanks for tuning in uh, to part seven of the basic text study. This episode is going to be facilitated by Edgar, and we're going to begin on page 11, when we discovered. Edgar, take it away.
3: Thanks, Doug. Um, Jess, do you want to read the first two paragraphs?
6: Sure. When we discovered that we could not live with or without drugs, we sought help through N.A. rather than prolong our suffering. The program works a miracle in our lives. We become different people. Working the steps of maintaining abstinence gives us a daily reprieve from our self-imposed life sentences. We become free to live. We want our place of recovery to be a safe place, free from outside influences. For the protection of the fellowship, we insist that no drugs or paraphernalia be brought to any meeting.
3: Thank you, Jess. Uh, Does anybody want to share on that? Doug, and then Donna.
0: Yeah, I'll make a comment on this, um, working the steps and maintaining abstinence. Uh, So so that's the one-two punch, right? Like that's our approach to the treatment of addiction. it's abstinence and 12 step work. And we see that uh, two pages back on page eight. Uh, We see it here and then we'll see it in in, here in a couple uh, paragraphs later. And so I think that's a good perspective to have as we as we start jumping into, um, you know, so why are we here? And then how this program works and how can we you know, what can we do and go out and working with others? We take a look at this and say, okay, look, it all starts from here. It all starts from abstinence and 12 step work that's the, that's the one-two punch and then we start building on that. Um, so, so that's what I wanna say there, Edgar.
3: Thank you, Doug. Uh, Donna and then uh, Paul.
4: Thank you. I, uh, I, I think this is the first time I've ever seen this part of the sentence uh, that we sought help through NA rather than prolong our suffering. I mean, what a concept, right? Is that what I did? I think that's what I did, right? I came to N.A. I recognized I had a problem. I came to N.A. I struggled a little bit to you know, stay clean during that first year, but I kept coming back and rather than prolong my suffering, what a miraculous thing to do. If you are listening to this, this is your first time through here, you don't know whether you wanna stay clean or not, you can do this rather than prolong your suffering. What a great thing to do!
3: Thanks, Donna. Paul.
7: Yeah, I. Um...
3: You muted, Paul.
7: Every time. The um, I'm sorry. the uh, The program works a miracle in our lives. We become different people. And just to piggyback on on Douglas's thing, is abstinence and twelve step work. I, I will, abstinence, you know, when we first get here, I just wanna stop using, I just wanna stop using, I just wanna stop using. And, and that's the first thing, but it's not the whole thing. Like I would have given, I, I, it would have been a terrible thing just to stop using, although that's what I wanted. But what I got out of here is the miraculous change that made me a different person and addressed all of those things that I used over my unworthiness, my inability to to be with people, my fears of intimacy, my fear of being exposed, my inauthenticity, all of those things that made it okay to shoot dope at some point stopped working and a miracle happened in NA through uh, 12-step work. Look, and I was not, when I first got here, I was not the 12 step Nazi, I wasn't. I didn't, I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to tell you about it. I didn't want to reveal myself. I had been damaged by people I had revealed myself to. And so if you, like, like Donna said, if you're new here and you think, I just want to stop using, I don't want to tell y'all anything about me, please. Find just a little bit of faith in this program and, and take the risk. Somebody else here needs to hear about you. Somebody else needs to go, oh, that's me too, because that's what happened. I heard my four step coming out of somebody else's mouth, and that's what made it okay. Thanks.
3: Thanks, Paul. Uh, Eva?
2: So. Um, that part where it says, um, gives us a daily reprieve, just that little phrase right there that reminds me that I need to do this on a daily basis. Cause you know, we can't stay clean on yesterday's recovery, right? Like I can't stay clean on the steps I worked last year. I, I can't like, I need a daily reprieve. I need to continue to do this. I need to continue to do a step 10. I need to continue to do an 11 and 12 for me. I need to continue to do all 12, um, you know, on a regular basis, because I can't trust that this daily reprieve is going to hold out on these 12 steps that I did, you know, back last year, so um, that's what I got from that, like, I can't, I can't stay clean on yesterday's recovery, this is a daily reprieve by doing the steps and main, and maintaining abstinence, so that's what I got, thanks.
3: Thanks, Eva. Uh, I wanted to say something, too, you know, kind of what Paul touched on, but, you know, I, I always think about when the basic text talks about has words like miracle and spiritual awakening and all this stuff. Um, you know, I was just talking about this with my sponsorship family. Um, and like when I got clean, I used to hate those words. Right. I used to be like, when is this going to happen? You know, this like flashing light from the sky, the burning bush experience, stuff like that. Um, And uh, it was important for me to understand back then, and uh, I always like to make a point to say this, it's like these miracles or spiritual awakenings or whatever it is, like, it doesn't have to be a big deal. It can just be as simple as like, I woke up today and didn't think about using. Damn, that's impressive. Or like, you know, the fact that I haven't thought about using on a regular basis for like a couple years, right? Like it happens. But it's not every day, every second of the day. Um, you know, I, I don't know. It's important for me to remember that stuff. Um, and and early on, too, I, I associated those words with, like, religion, right? I associated those words with things that NA is not necessarily concerned about. And I used to get it mixed up. So it was important for me to to remember that, like... It, it I don't know it just doesn't have to be a big deal like it can be something real simple but like it has a huge impact on me right and um, <clears throat> you know I think um the fact that we become different people is 100% a miracle and and you know like it doesn't have to be a burning bush experience like it can just be as simple as like damn I think different now right it's 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 not the same as it used to be, but um. anyways, that's all I got. Does anybody else want to share on these paragraphs? Jess and then Phil.
6: Yeah, so I really, um, like the, the first paragraph, uh, we sought help through NA. Um, like when I first started coming to meetings, I was seeking everything except for help at first. Uh, and then like, so for me, like, this this doesn't even mean like right when I first come in like yeah it could be that too but I mean this could be me like today if I stop working steps and and I um you know stop doing the things that I'm that I'm supposed to do like I could feel that at any day I could be in suffering in a self-imposed life sentence like at any time um and that's what I got from this sorry I lost my thought
5: Phil um that, that daily reprieve um, is a bad boy. And I, I do want to jump back uh, on top of it. And, um, you know, what what the literature talks about, our daily reprieve, it does say that is our most profound gift. I love all the gifts Narcotics Anonymous uh, has. And um, I, I do love gifts. But it says that's our most profound gift. And and with the reprieve, because as that sentence goes on, a reprieve from ourself imposed life sentences. Well, you know what? Um, I, I would just have to think, you know, if I'm incarcerated, this and that and the other thing, and I'm having a daily reprieve. And a reprieve is you've now delayed a punishment. So uh, with that being said, uh, maybe they're not gonna throw me in the uh, electric chair today. I get another day uh, uh, to live, you know? And and like it says, we become free to live. So uh, I guess it's still about living. That's the bottom line. Oh, punishment and death. Uh, That's what a, a, a reprieve is. The daily reprieve is is del- it, it only delays it. That's all I got.
3: Thanks, Phil. Anybody else want to share on this paragraph? All right, um, Donna, would you read the next two, uh, starting at "We feel."
4: We feel totally free to express ourselves within the fellowship because law enforcement agencies are not involved. Our meetings have have an atmosphere of empathy. In accordance to the principles of recovery, we try not to judge, stereotype, or moralize with each other. We are not recruited, and membership does not cost anything. NA does not provide counseling or social services. Our meetings are a process of identification, hope, and sharing. The heart of NA beats when two addicts share their recovery. What we do becomes real for us when we share it this happens on a larger scale in our regular meetings a meeting happens when two or more addicts gather together to help each other stay clean isn't that beautiful
3: thanks donna anybody want to share on this
4: well i will then um, uh, you know, uh, it, the, it go just going back a little bit there where it says that for the protection of our fellowship, we insist that no drugs or paraphernalia be on you. We also insist that there be no weapons in our meetings. You know, we're free to express ourselves. We're free from, free from uh, being monitored by local law enforcement. Um, we're free to come to a meeting and say who we are and why we're there and ask for help and to change our lives. And that freedom is so important, uh, such an important part of um, why the anonymous programs work, why Narcotics Anonymous in particular works. Um, uh, Because when we talk about learning to trust a little bit, that is one of the things that starts it is um, coming to this place that we know, none of us think it's safe, none of us thinks it's okay, but we get here and we find out sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly, that it actually is okay to be here. And it actually is okay to tell the truth about who we are and what we do. Um, I don't know. You guys have, some of you have been around a really long time. The heart of NA beats, you know, how many of us have been to conventions and conferences and workshops that are like the heart about the heartbeat of NA. That's where this comes from. Right. And the mm-hmm. sponsor and about how sponsorship is um, uh, a part of that too, you know, the heartbeat of NA um, and uh and we've and I've experienced it, right? We've all experienced. Um, I don't have to be in a 12-step meeting to feel like I'm getting recovery, and then I'm sharing with a person um, what's important to me. I can I can do it one-on-one, you know. And um, and as long as um, uh, the purpose is to be there, and the primary purpose is to help the addict who still suffers to stay clean another day, um, that's what we're doing. So thanks.
3: Thanks, Donna. Eva.
4: So um,
2: kind of a different perspective. Um, being in the pandemic, um, I know it's been really hard, but it doesn't say anywhere that, it's a, anywhere that it has to be face-to-face. It just says the heart of NA beats when two addicts share their recovery. It doesn't say face-to-face. It doesn't even say in the same room, right? I can remember being uh, in treatment and just having this C D Walkman with Margaret M. Tape, and she's from um, Arizona. She was the tape lady, right? And she shared um, because somebody couldn't make it; they like had passed away instead of being there. It was weird, and um, and that C D helped me when I couldn't go to a meeting, right? So I've always had a different way. And that she didn't, I mean, she didn't, she wasn't there. I couldn't touch her. I couldn't even see her, but I could hear her empathy. I could hear her recovery. I could hear her desire. No, I could hear her love for the fellowship and life, her love of life. That's what I was looking for, especially when I was in treatment, new. And so I think that um, even I can get caught up in wanting um, face-to-face meetings when, you know, when like we don't know what we have until it's gone, right? So we're all I mean, I know in my area, it's a big it's a big discussion, you know, about face-to-face meetings. And some people um, that I that I love um, to say that Zoom doesn't work for them. and, and, and that's cool. that's them. Um, but I am reminded when I read the literature that it doesn't say I have to be in a face-to-face meeting to get recovery. It just says that our our identification, hope, and sharing the heartbeat of NA is the heartbeat of NA. The two addicts, you know, that share recovery, and it even becomes something on a larger scale in regular meetings. And I don't know any uh, regular NA meetings ought never be organized, y'all. So I mean, we're all a little. I mean, I know I was the misfit in my family, so I don't know what's regular about it, but um, I think that that's changing and it looks different, but that's okay because meetings happen when, you know, when we, when we come together and share. So that was just my perspective on what's what current events.
5: Thanks, Eva. Anybody else? Douglas? Phil, Phil addict. Film uh, and others. I'll be, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be real quick. Um, um, I, I did like the thing about about the Zoom, and I can't uh, help but not not to think about the, uh, the 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 full fruit, the labor of love, lives in, in the harvest, because it talks about a meeting happens when two or more addicts gather to help each other stay clean. This is still a gathering. Uh, it's on Zoom, and um, we're living, um, I guess, in that harvest because a harvest is a is a um, gathering, and um, and and he, and and here here's the thing with with recovery, the the mess the message for me had to be heard. It went in through my ears and into my heart. I didn't see it. I didn't read it. I heard it. That's all I have.
3: Thanks, Phil Douglas.
0: Yeah, I wanted to um make a comment about the empathy piece. I think that's really important too. Is like, you know, if we, it it, it touches my spirit anytime that it's still, you know, if I kick my stuff out at a meeting or, or if I'm talking in a small group or even one to one and somebody hits me with the up and down head nod, uh, especially when I'm kicking that stuff, you know that, that, that like, uh, that stuff. Right. And, uh, and, and someone says, look, man, I can understand that I've done this and, and, and something like that. It's just, um, that spirit connection right there. It still surprises me, man, to this day. And, 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 um, I'm just grateful to be in that process, but, but I, I'm into that, man. I, I, I like, I like looking at this and saying, Hey, we have this at- atmosphere of being able to understand what each other are feeling and things like this. And, and the one thing though, I struggle with is this, um, uh, so we try not to to judge, stereotype, or moralize with each other. And the moralizing part—that's where I get hung up at. Uh, and and I think I'm I think I'm making some progress with it. But a lot of times it's about um, the relationship with the higher power, right? Like that's where I find myself moralizing with other folk. And uh, and it's never like after after one of those episodes, man, I never walk away thinking, oh, that was really productive. <laughs> You know what I like? You know, it, it, like if I'm trying to convince somebody, and you know that whole thing, that debate, you know, um, it's just not good. But the times when I've when I've en- engaged with really like an open mind and an open heart, kind of like what you were talking about, feel like when, it, when when I'm with that man with just an open heart, I'm not trying to convince somebody. I'm just trying to be open. Man, though, I walk away from those discussions, man, was just like, man, that was awesome. Maybe I gave a little, maybe I took, a little. it doesn't matter, but that was, that was kind of, that was kind of cool. And the last comment I want to make about this, where I struggle at, if we look at, if we look at this, you know, moralizing, you know, with, w- with the definition is talking about, you know, what's right or what's wrong, talking about what's right or what's wrong. Okay. Just from that perspective, where I find myself struggling is where, where's the cutoff? You know, when we're clean for a little while, i I feel that we have we have a responsibility to carry a clean message right like hey th- this if you want the freedom that that we have th- you do this so so where does that responsibility to carry a clear message where does that go over to the moralizing piece you know and i'm just i'm just making that comment i struggle with that i struggle with seeing you know which side of the line to stay on so um uh so so i'll pass with that Thanks Douglas. Jess.
6: So my brain is all over the place with these two. I mean, what else is new? Uh, So I really love what's been shared about like the the Zoom meetings and person meetings. And some people say like Zoom doesn't work for them. And like, that's cool. You know, we all have our own experiences, but I know for me, like my disease is always doing pushups in the parking lot. Like it is ready to come at me and get me out of here any way possible. Like a Zoom meeting, is an NA meeting, an in-person meeting, that's an NA meeting, where the addicts come together to help each other stay clean, that's a meeting, whether it's Zoom, and, like, people used to work steps through the mail, you know, before any kind of, uh, maybe before the telephone, I'm not sure, I'm not, I don't know how far this, this goes back or not, but, uh, like, the, the in-person connection is really something that's really super special, but it's not that we can't recover because we're in a zoom meeting or even in prison, like there are um, like groups of people who sponsor people in prison and can only work steps through mail, you know, so we can't disqualify their recovery because we're not, you know, like that anyway. And then I really like when it says, we try not to judge because I'd be judging still. And it's horrible. Um, but I really just do my best. Um, yeah, thanks.
3: Thanks, Jess. Paul.
7: Uh, yeah, to Jess's point, I'm I'm currently working a fourth and fifth step with a sponsee in Nevada, uh, who's in federal prison, and um, we do it in twenty minute increments. The phone cuts off, and you know sometimes it's two or three, and sometimes it's just one, and um, we're just kind of plotting through it and. Uh, it is as valid a fourth and fifth step that I, as I've ever worked with anybody else. I, there's not a right or wrong way. That's the, that's the, we try not to judge, stereotype or moralize. Zoom is right, in person is wrong. In person is right, Zoom is wrong. It's not, none of it. It's, here's the problem. <laughs> it says we try not to judge. <laughs> Doesn't mean we are successful or that we're perfect with it. We try not to judge, stereotype or moralize with each other. And here's my problem. I am each other. Judging you, stereotyping you and moralizing with you is of little importance in my life. The judgment and the moralization and the stereotyping of myself is the stuff that I got high over and that's, infinitely more important that I give myself a break. It says it in our readings, give yourself a break. I I can give y'all breaks all day long but I am hard pressed to give myself a break some days. And so I have to keep trying not to do those things with me. And, And that's what this process does. It gives me some of that. So, thanks.
3: Thanks, Paul. And I wanted to say something, too. You know, I was thinking about the empathy part and uh, we try not to judge, stereotype, and moralize with each other. And, you know, like, I definitely struggle with that stuff. Um, And kind of like what, you know, what Douglas was saying about, like, where's the line, right? Where's that line where, like, the moralizing happens and and when it's like am I carrying the message or am I telling somebody like you're wrong for doing it this way and uh you know today for example I was uh I was with my roommate and uh, we were talking about something and and you know he was telling me that I'm kind of an asshole right because uh I'm like dismissive to people sometimes and um and he was telling me you know and and your sponsor kind of does the same thing. And I was like, you know, and and I was just kind of saying like, the fact of the matter is everybody has their own recovery. And, you know, it's like the where that line falls for me sometimes is because I'm clean and I've worked steps and I know what I want and don't want. I also have the freedom of choice of choosing who I want to associate and who not, who I don't want to associate with. And on the other hand, it's like, I still gotta be loving to those people, especially when it comes to NA, right? But like, I can also make the decision of like, these are the people that I really vibe with, that people that I really care about. And, you know, over here, it's like, I'm still loving to you, I'll still pick up the phone, but I don't have to be a part of everybody's life all the time. And when I got clean, it's like, I wanted to be a part of everybody's life all the time. And everybody needed to like me for me to be okay with myself. And it's like, there came a point where I got okay with me and I was okay with one, people not liking me. And two, me not wanting to be around certain people because our morals and values just don't line up. And, um, you know, that's something I gotta keep in mind. But on the other side, it's like, I struggle with empathy a lot. I I really do. and uh i have to keep that in mind when i'm in an na setting and an na meeting and it's like regardless of how much somebody pisses me off sometimes i still have to be empathetic and i still have to say you know what i don't like you but i love you and i'm there for you you know if you need it um and uh you know that's just for myself man but like the judging and stereotyping and moralizing like the first area I got clean in, everybody was very judgmental and it was always about right and wrong and um, there was a lot of that going on and, you know, I had to move around to different areas to figure out that, like, that is not okay, right? And that's something that doesn't line up with my beliefs and and it's taken me years to recognize that that was wrong and that I needed to change that because, that was just the mentality of a group of people in a in one area out of the million addicts that are in the world, right? Um, so anyways, I, I guess what I'm saying is I struggle with it, right? And I've struggled with it for a while, but like going to different areas and talking to different people in different meetings, like I've gotten the chance to see another side of NA, different people and and just trying to change that. So anyways... Does anybody else want to share on that? All right. Uh, Brian, would you read the next paragraph right at, at the beginning?
1: At the beginning of the meeting, we read any literature that is available to anyone. Some meetings have speakers, topic, discussions, or both. Closed meetings are for addicts or for those who think they may have a drug problem. Open meetings welcome anyone wishing to experience our fellowship. The atmosphere of recovery is protected by our 12 traditions. We are fully self-supporting through voluntary contributions from our members. Regardless of where the meeting takes place, we remain unaffiliated. Meetings provide a place to be with fellow addicts. All we need are two addicts caring and sharing to make a meeting. Excuse me. We let new ideas flow into us. We ask questions. We share what we have learned about living without drugs. Through the principles of the 12 steps, excuse me, though the principles of the 12 steps may seem strange to us at first, the most important thing about them is that they work. Our program is a way of life. We learn the value of spiritual principles such as surrender, humility, and service from reading the NA literature, going to meetings, and working the steps. We found that our lives steadily improve if we maintain abstinence from mind-altering, mood-changing chemicals, and work the 12 steps to sustain our recovery. Living this program gives us a relationship with a power greater than ourselves, corrects defects and leads us to help others. When there has been wrong, the program teaches us the spirit of forgiveness. Might as well finish. Uh, Many books have been written about the nature of addiction. This book concerns itself with the nature of recovery. If you are an addict and have found this book, please give yourself a break and read it. Thanks.
3: Thanks,
2: Ryan. Does anybody want to share on that?
5: Phil it Since nobody's talking, um, I'll be once again, I, I will be um, real quick. Uh, um, I was just in a meeting uh, the other day and it was with the 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 uh, a step um, with uh, make making a, a list and one of the things um, in that step, it was it was talking about that spiritual principle of um forgiveness and one and one of the things i did say uh meaning was uh, we have a program that teaches us uh, uh how to forgive but it's talking about teaches us the spirit of forgiveness and uh uh forgiveness i um i always um i i know for me um Um, that's one of the spiritual principles that, that was for me, it's easier said than done. I, uh, forgive you. And, um, but I know, um, if I don't have that one and it, and it has, and for me, it, that spiritual principle, it got to be sincere in heart and spirit or I'm stuck. I'm not gonna grow spiritually. I'm not gonna grow with a God my understanding. I'm stuck. But um, but 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 here's the thing uh, with that. And um, the uh, dictionary says forgiveness is to give up resentment, uh, pardon, to grant relief from payment. I had a resentment I I, I was in uh, in recovery for a, for a bunch of years and I had a resentment with somebody that did something to me uh, at work for whatever reason that they did they did to me but um, I can remember how that resentment rotted me up from head to toe and uh, even with some some time uh, I felt like a newcomer again like, I'm just like right off the street. I was sharing at the meeting, sharing with the sponsor, uh, trying to settle things with um, the first three steps, the maintenance steps at the end. And I forgot about the thing, the steps and things in the middle of our program. And forgiveness is in that a step. And um, I'm just so grateful for this program. That's all I got. Thanks, Phil. We got Donna and then Eva.
4: I was uh, when we were reading this uh, um, chapter, this these paragraphs. As Brian was reading them, I flipped back and went, "What paragraph is it, or what chapter is this?" And it's the what is the Narcotics Anonymous program, right? And like, um, like the first chap, the first paragraph that he read was like, "This is what happens in our meetings." And like the second piece about where we let the new ideas flow into us. And ask questions like this is all the stuff that's going to happen if we stick around if we keep coming to meetings and and um this is what we can expect this is what the narcotics anonymous program is we don't use we work a program and these are the things that are going to happen and um uh what a great what a great uh, um Explanation What you know, this listing of spiritual principles you'll hear about spiritual principles all the time if you're new, and here they are, they're listed surrender, humility, uh, service, uh, forgiveness. Um, there's a whole bunch of them in there, and uh, um, and you know, none of us showed up with that stuff. Some people show up looking like they have some of that stuff, but but none of us really show up with it, and it can be developed over time working a program and remaining abstinent. If you have found this book, and I've told you guys this before, I've met somebody, I know someone who found a book of Narcotics Anonymous, the basic text, started reading it and went, oh my God, where are these people, right? So if that's, if you are one of those people, keep coming back.
3: Thanks, Donna, Eva?
2: So two things. I love where it says um, our lives steadily improve if we maintain abstinence. Then it goes on to say and work the 12 steps to sustain our recovery. And then it turns into living this program. Not working it, not just coming, hanging out at it, living this program. It says it it, uh, gives us a relationship with our higher power, um, greater than ourselves. Like we are no longer selfish, self-seeking, thinking that we're all powerful and invincible. And it corrects
4: our defects.
2: And then it leads us to help others. I was not into helping others when I was loaded. I was not a helper. I was a help myselfer, right? So I helped myself to anything that was yours and mine. Thank you. So the second thing it says that I love is that this book concerns. I mean, many books have been written about the nature of addiction, right? We can get, we can get all kinds of books, textbooks from schools, psychology and addiction and psychiatric and blah, blah. But this book concerns itself with the nature of recovery. And sometimes I forget that because I'm always thinking about my addiction. I need to be careful of my addiction, my addiction, my addiction. And the longer I'm here, then I think I need to take care of my recovery, my recovery, my recovery. And that word changes somewhere for me, right? Probably about the same time I quit thinking about using every single day. Probably about somewhere I'm in the middle of some step work. I'm thinking for me, it was a couple set of stuff. I'm slow at getting out of myself. Um, I think that this, this path that I'm on, you know, it, it takes my hand right through the steps. And it goes, it's okay, you can talk about your addiction, just don't use right now. It's okay, you can talk about it, though. We, we're going to give you some place to let it all out. That's going to be a meeting. Then you're going to read this other stuff about all this other junk. And then you're going to start learning about getting better. And that's what we're going to call recovery. And it's like, I forget that. Don't you know, I mean, I just stay in the, in the steps. And I forget in the beginning of this book, how much gold there is. Um, and if I'm if I'm, if I'm focused on addiction, then that's where my head stays in the negative. For me, that's a negative, right? If I'm focused on my recovery, then I'm focused on the positive. So if I remind myself that this basic text isn't about addiction, it's about recovery, then I remember what kind of book I'm reading, what kind of text I'm reading. I'm not learning how to get loaded. I'm learning how to stay clean. I already know how to get loaded. So um, those were just the things that stuck up stuck stuck out at me tonight on that paragraph.
3: Thanks for sharing. Anybody else want to share on that? Douglas and then Brian.
0: Yeah, thank thanks um Eva. I just wanted to tag on really to, to that. Um, is, is that in episode two, if you folks are tuning in, so we know this is episode 11, but in episode two, we talked about the preface to the first. And um, so it, it reads, this volume is intended as a textbook for every addict seeking recovery. And so we we jumped into that a little bit and saying, hey, this is the standard, right? And so now we see this last sentence. If you're an addict and have found this book, please give yourself a break and read it. So allow this al- allow this book to be the authoritative source right? This is our document and doing that. So if you, if you read this and I have a little, little note here saying study it with an exclamation point. So, so th- this can be one of the most loving acts that you can do for yourself. Um, if you have, if you're in possession of this book, read it and study it. Um, and, and then, and then what what's happened to me is if we, if we go back up a few sentences, um, uh, the steadily improve part, the steadily improved part for me has been this it, 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 it's been um, before before I've had this this what I what I consider a spiritual awakening. OK, and it, and, and, and like we talked about earlier, it wasn't this big flash. Right. It, it just wasn't for me. It was this kind of gradual change in who I am. Um, this steadily improved was happened to where before before this change, whether it was a conversation or I was interacting with somebody or something always in my mind was what can I get out of this? What can I, 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 it would consume to the fact that to the point where I, I really wouldn't pick up on whatever somebody was saying, right? I would like, what the hell are we talking about here after a minute, right? Now, like after the change, I can actually enter in to a conversation or a meeting with somebody or do something with, 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 with the motive of saying, Hey, what can I bring to this experience? What can i give what can i bring to this experience and to me when i look at that change it, I, I don't think there's any other explanation than that's an awakening of my spirit and, and to me that's what that that steadily improve if that's what that looks like for me so so i'll go ahead and pass with that
3: thanks douglas brian
1: yeah, I was just thinking, um, you know, I'm I'm really big on watching, uh, like, motivational videos on YouTube and stuff, and uh, for any sports fans that are out there, uh, if you look up this one that uh, the late uh, Kobe Bryant had, he basically uh, talked about how he went out and uh, looked for advice from, like, what he called the Goat Mountain, which are, like, the some of the best uh, basketball players of all time, and, like, he went to them and, like, Ask them how they did it. Like, how did they handle the stardom and how did they get better? You know, how did they take their weaknesses and make them into strengths? So I took that and kind of like applied it to recovery. So, you know, anytime that I get around someone that has, you know, substantial time, you know, maybe like a Phil or Douglas that are on here now, it's like, you know, I ask them questions, man, because I want to know, like, uh, you know, has this situation ever come up in your life where you felt like uh, you were close to using or, did you feel like you were so trapped or alone? And, uh, you know, what did you do to get out of yourself? And uh, I've I really got a lot out of that. And a lot of times whenever I, I ask people like, uh, you know, what happened when you went back out and used, usually it always goes back to something that they stopped doing, whether it was, uh, you know, the main one has always stopped going to meetings. So that uh, really makes me think about like, I have to really be vigilant about this uh, recovery thing and, and make sure that I'm staying in the middle of what's going on and, and, and uh, being honest. You know, honesty is the spiritual principle behind the first step from what I've learned. So, you know, I, I read up on spiritual principles and it says it helps us uh, have a better life. So as long as we're practicing those, practicing those things, you know, we can be better people a day at a time. But uh, it's definitely a process for me. But uh, that's all I have, thanks.
3: Thanks, Brian. All right, we can move on to the next chapter. Um, Paul, would you read the first two paragraphs of that? Sure. Or you could read the uh, italics. Okay, yeah, thank you.
7: Um, chapter three, why are we here? Before coming to the fellowship of NA, we could not manage our own lives. We could not live and enjoy life as other people do. We had to have something different and we thought we had found it in drugs. We placed their use ahead of the welfare of our families, our wives, husbands, and our children. We had to have drugs at all costs. We did many people great harm, but most of all, we harmed ourselves. Through our inability to accept personal responsibilities, we were actually creating our own problems. We seem to be incapable of facing life on its own terms. Most of us realize that in our addiction, We were slowly committing suicide, but addiction is such a cunning enemy of life that we had lost the power to do anything about it. Many of us ended up in jail or sought help through medicine, religion, and psychiatry. None of these methods was sufficient for us. Our disease always resurfaced or continued to progress until in desperation we sought help from each other in Narcotics Anonymous. After coming to NA, we realized we were sick people. We suffered from a disease from which there is no known cure. It can, however, be arrested at some point, and recovery is then possible. Thanks, Paul. Mm -hmm.
3: Anybody want to share on that?
4: Donna? So we, uh, uh, a couple weeks ago as a group, we were talking about like the flow of what we're doing here. And uh, Douglas and Brian were talking about like, we're gonna take this like one line at a time, right? And the rest of us are like, yeah, no, we're not doing that. But this right here, this reading, we could do this reading one line at a time because it is so profound. In my opinion, the most some of the most profound things that we do before coming to the Fellowship of Narcotics Anonymous, we could not manage our own lives. I mean, some of us show up like I just said a minute ago, thinking that we can, thinking that we do, maybe we are doing it poorly. But if I was able, really, if I was able to manage my own life, if I was able to hold it together at all, I would not have come here. I would have kept doing that, right? So when we start talking about powerlessness and unmanageability, like For me, for that kind of addict that I am, that was absolutely necessary in order to prepare me for what needed to come next, which was surrendering. We could not live and enjoy life as other people do. I looked like my friends. I had some friends that used as much as I did, but they did not have the kind of consequences that I had. They did not have the kind of soul-crushing shame that I had, they did not. And when they had bad days, when bad outcomes, they just stopped, right? And uh, and I was not that person, right? I was not like my friends, and um, and that was really apparent. And until I came to Narcotics Anonymous, I didn't know there were other people out there like that. We had to have something different. We thought we had found it in drugs. I don't know that that was so much my story, but because drugs were my solution, right? Uh, for me, placing their use ahead of the welfare of our families, wives, our husbands, and our children, I'm a, a person who came to Narcotics Anonymous having had the state take away from my, my children and they were very little. And um, and so that's part of my story. That's part of what's real. Um, I put the, their welfare, uh, drug use ahead of the welfare of everybody including myself, you know, and um, we did many people great harm, but most of all, we harmed ourselves, you know, and uh, I still sometimes am not 100% sure that um, I have gotten that up until just recently, you know. So I think I'll let it go with that.
7: Thanks, Donna. Paul just to take uh, off where Donna left off, through our inability to accept personal responsibilities, we were actually creating our own problems. And and that was revolutionary for me, is I came in here a victim, things were done to me. You know, the world was out to get me and if people would act right, I wouldn't be shooting so much dope. That, you know, if they just stop it, we'd we'd all be all, all better. And, and that line there was revolutionary that actually all of that stuff had been created by me. And then, and then, then the, the last part that I want to say is the idea of addiction as a disease was mind blowing. It took a lot of stuff. It answered a lot of questions for me because I knew I didn't want to do this. I didn't want to act like this. I didn't want to steal money from my grandmother who I adored. I didn't want to, I didn't want to not show up at my mother's Christmas table. I didn't, and I couldn't stop myself. I couldn't in any way, turn that around. And when you said, well, it's a disease and it needs to be treated that was a whole different thing because I thought it was, I was a piece of shit. I didn't love my mother. I didn't love my grandmother. I'm obviously I'm, I'm psychotic or I have some kind of, you know, mental disorder that when you, when you said it was a disease that we can help you with, I, first of all, I didn't buy it. But after, after I kind of examined it, I went, you know, even if I, it's sort of like the God, the God thing, if I, even if I don't buy it, let me just try it. Let me just give it a moment, you know, just to, just to harken back to the last chapter. We let new ideas flow into us. Sometimes they flow through, but they flow into us. And I, that disease thing flowed into me and it answered so many questions about myself. And, and, and fortunately, you helped treat it. You helped treat it and I could see the change. So, thanks.
3: Thanks, Paul. Brian?
1: Yeah, I was thinking uh, when this was being read, like um, before I got clean last November, almost a year ago, Um, I was on, uh, suboxone for 10 years and, uh, the majority of the time it was prescribed by a doctor. And, uh, you know, of course they kept telling me, uh, you know, we want you to keep coming back and getting this every two weeks because, you know, right now you're living a normal life. Uh, you're not doing what you used to be. Uh, you're not doing what you used to do. You're not the same person you was. Um, you know, and, uh, of course the pharmacist was telling me that too, because he liked getting my money, but, uh, then I came to realize that, um, you know, I was just tired of being dependent upon it because I thought I was living a normal life until I ran out, you know, until, uh, you know, my work said you have to go out of town for a couple of weeks. And, you know, it was panic mode because I, I didn't have enough or I wasn't going to make my appointment. You know, that's that's unmanageability right there. And it made me realize that, look, I'm in bondage to this to this drug. And uh, it was desperation. You know, I wanted desperately to find a new way to live and by you know coming to meetings and, and getting clean you know other people have helped show me that there is another way to live and that's free and it has taken a lot of work to to almost get a year clean like a lot of meetings a lot of step work uh, a lot of reaching out to others and and trying to get out of myself and now turn around and help other people i mean that's the biggest joy that i've got is you know trying to sponsor someone like i've been sponsored and you know give them a new opportunity to live so I mean, this this fellowship and this program is awesome, and uh, I just pray that I never use, uh, lose the willingness to to have it in my life. But uh, thanks for letting me share. Thanks, thanks
5: Brian. Ryan. Phil. Um. Uh. Once again, I I will be real quick. Uh. uh good stuff. Um. I I can't help not to elaborate on. Uh, the slowly committing suicide. I just shared an afternoon meeting of today when I, when I stopped killing myself on that time payment plan. But there's this one word in there, but addiction is such a cunning enemy. Cunning enemy is, is a bad boy. And uh, I, I always say say this with 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 that word cunning. Uh, Something that is cute, clever, sly, ingenious, advancing to something severe. I'm none of that. I'm none of that. And then um, uh, a hostile enemy. An enemy. An enemy is something that is... Of life, an enemy is something that is hostile and wants me dead. Uh, I can definitely um, uh, tie that to disease of addiction, and uh, and especially at the at the end of at the end of my my road. And then, last but not least, cunning enemy of life that we lost the power to do anything about it. I mean, I guess that's <laughs> that's as profound as it gets. That's all I got.
3: Thanks, Phil. And uh I wanted to share something about this too. I mean, you know, it talks about our disease always resurfaced or continued to progress until in desperation we sought help from each other in Narcotics Anonymous. And previously to that it talks about jealous institutions and death and Or, uh, you know, seeking help through medicine, religion, psychiatry, all this stuff. And that just made me think of, you know, what uh, my first sponsor used to tell me all the time about my disease is not impressed, right? It's not impressed by the methods I try to use to cure it. It's not impressed by how much I've accomplished in recovery. Uh, You know, Jess said it earlier, it's doing push-ups outside, right? Like my disease does not give a shit how far I've gotten in life while I've been clean because it's still there. And it's still gonna come at me the same way, whether I have one day clean or five years clean or 10 years clean or 20 years clean, it doesn't matter. Um, You know, um, The other thing I was thinking about it's, uh, and it kind of relates to what we read previously, right? It talks about where there has been wrong in the previous page says where there has been wrong, this program teaches the spirit of forgiveness And then it comes to talk about all the people we've hurt in our lives, right? And, um, you know, that's where I did my wrongs with all these people, right? I hurt everybody around me, including myself. And then it's like through staying clean and working steps, like I learned forgiveness. Um, And, you know, my personal experience with forgiveness is that uh, until I got to my uh, eighth and ninth step, I never thought about it. You know, I worked step four and I saw all this stuff that I did wrong and I knew I was wrong and I knew that, you know, I did bad things. And at some point I was going to have to make it right. But I remember when my sponsor, when I called my sponsor after reading the eighth step and it was talking about asking for forgiveness. And I was like, damn, I've never thought of that before. Right. And uh, it's like, I knew I was wrong. I knew I had done wrong. But it had never clicked that, like, at some point, I'm going to have to admit that I did the wrongs, right? And admit that, like, you know, I messed up. This is my fault. And this was my part in it. And, like, ask for that forgiveness, right? And, you know... um I think the most important part for me of those steps and and in this reading is that we harmed ourselves because I never thought about that. It was real easy to look at everybody around me and look at the physical evidence of how I hurt my family and friends, but never really thought about, like, what did Edgar do to Edgar, right, over time. Um, So, anyways, that's all I got. All right. And, uh, anybody else, No, Donna,
4: I just, I wanted to, um, just say and and ask you guys where it says after coming to NA, we realized we were sick people. We suffered from a disease from which there is no known cure. It can however be arrested at some point and recovery is impossible. And once I started, um, entertaining the idea that maybe I was sick and that, um, and that this really was a disease. And um, that there really was a plan or, or a program or a way I could live that could maybe make this different. And I and partly what happened was I just kept coming back and kept coming back and kept coming back. And I was seeing, there were other people who I was getting to know a little bit. And I was seeing that they were desperate, hopeless addicts like me, and that there were some things about their lives that were getting better, you know, and, and I started getting some hope. And that is such, so powerful having hope, you know, the possibility of things, maybe changing and being different than they have always been that was um so big for me and i'm guessing it was for you guys as well
0: thank you for walking with us on this journey please reflect on what was discussed and apply to your life share this resource with anyone you feel led to do so with tune in next time as we'll pick up where we left off We'll chunk these in hour-long sessions. Namaste and God bless.